Go ahead and have a seat, guys. I asked Ben to leave that up there because um, that that verse, uh, that I guess it's a chorus, not musical, I don't know. Um, day after day, our God is reigning. He's never shaken. My hope is in the Lord. Time after time, our God is faithful, trustworthy. Savior, my hope is in the Lord. The, the message this morning that God has kind of spoken to me, he spoke it to me prior to the stuff that's going on in our world. And uh, hope is an elusive thing. And hope is an elusive thing because I think really two reasons. One, we misdefine hope. Like our fingers are crossed, we hope that something is going to happen. And we, we, we cast our hope upon things that can't handle it. We, we cast our hope on things. Hope is a, is a really weighty term, and hope is only as good as that in which the hope is placed. We hope in our children. We hope in safety. We hope in so many things. Trustworthy, faithful, savior, eternal, reigning. These are words that are used to describe our God. And because of who he is, he's worthy of our hope. And this morning we're going to deal with these notions. Hope, I did a a project for a class that I'm, I'm taking, and, and I studied this word hope, and, and hope, I, I've discovered, is an eschatological term. It's a, eschatological is a big word to, to say something that's coming. So many times we, we think of, we don't think of hope in the context of being eschatological. Eschatological meaning something that's going to happen in the future. The return of Jesus, the the, all of those things, all those ideas, revelation is eschatological. Hope is an eschatological term. And a lot of times we can get, we can try and define it in our culture, in our world, in our minds as, as a now term. But the culmination of hope is something that's, that's coming. And that, that's the point of Christmas that's the point of our message this morning. That's the point of Friday. Hope is an eschatological term. Faithful, trustworthy, reigning. These are things we say about our God. Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to learn about hope. We're going to learn about faith. We're going to see it happening. And we're going to see how the prophets and the people of God from long ago were saying to themselves, Come, thou long-expected Jesus. That's a song you guys may have heard. It's a Christmas carol. It happens a lot. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. For us, that means two things. One, it means Christmas. And two, one of the, probably the most frequent tweet or, or message that I saw is, is this week was, come, Jesus, come quickly. There's evil in this world. Come quickly, Jesus. 
And that's the hope. That's the expectation. How now long expected Jesus isn't just for Christmas. It's for these eschatological events that we hope for. So the trigger of Christmas hope and expectation is found in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read the first seven verses here. And, and I said that quickly. Let me reinforce it, underline it. This is the trigger of the hope and expectation of Christmas here in these verses. Now the Lord said to Abram, he's the guy who will eventually become known as Abraham when a pivotal moment happened in his life. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. By the way, these words that God is saying to Abram, I'm, I'm imagining he said these exact words to Jesus prior to placing him in the womb of Mary. Go back and let, let's read that again with that understanding. Imagine God speaking these words to Christ. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, go from here, this place, your kindred and your father's house to the land where I will show you. And I'll make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you see how Jesus is the culmination of hope and expectation? And it's, it's these words that God said to Abram, and we see in Genesis that all of the people of God from this generation, from this age, looked to as the promise that I got this. I'm going to protect you. For them, this is hope for them, and it's an eschatological event. I'm going to bring something. I'm going to bring a son to you. I'm going to bring a son to your nation, and I will make his name great. And everybody who blesses him, I'll bless. And everybody who dishonors him, I will curse. This is the hope that they clung to. And it's also the hope that we cling to of, a, of an eschatological event that is coming. Everything in the Old Testament, all these stories are the plot and the climax is yet to come, but it's assured. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, that's his home. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, and all they had gathered, and all the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go out to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, and the, to the oak of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land, foreigners who would be the enemies of the people of God. Again, see the foreshadowing there. 
foreigners that were in the enemy of the land of God trying to do them harm. Verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Just like Jesus, Abram, Abraham leaves his home and his wealth because God called him to. And there's a, there's a lesson there. The lesson is there is a hope and an expectation of God that motivates us to action. And, and that's what, what I hope this message does for each of us. What it's done to my heart as I've, as I've wrestled with it this week is it explodes our, our, our current, our fleshly, our earthly definition of what hope is. And it brings to us an expectation. And that hope mixes with that expectation. And that idea motivates us to action. Just like it did to Abram. God said to Abram, go and do this and I'll bless you. And he did. He didn't ask. He didn't wonder why. He didn't have confusion about the things that he knew he was going to miss when he left or the things that he knew were going to be taken from him because he left. He didn't ask or wonder why he went into a place of his enemy, absent from his family. He didn't ask. He said, okay, and he went. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to skip back and forth between Genesis and Hebrews today, this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 is a very famous set of verses um, reading, starting in, in verse 8. <clears throat> By faith, every time I come to this word, I want to give this definition of faith. It's not just trust. Faith without surrender is not faith. Surrender has to be part of our faith, and that I will do what you're telling me to do. I will believe that you'll come through on the promise that you can come through on because you are trustworthy, because you are Savior, because you are worthy of my trust. And I surrender all that I am. I give up. I willingly lay my life down because of who you are. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He went out not knowing where he was going. How many times did you ask yourself why? How many times do you think people in this country this, on Friday asked themselves why? What's why? Why? It's, it's not wrong to ask why. But faith answers the question. Events are coming. Stop trusting in stuff that can't withstand the weight of your trust stop surrendering to stuff that can't withstand the weight of your surrender stop hoping in things that can't come through those are those are hard words to hear easy words to say but think about abram and it's it's going to get worse by faith he went to live in a land of promise as in a foreign land living 
in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even, before, even when she was past her age, since she was considered faithful, had, who promised. Therefore, from one man, and as good as dead, were born descendants, as the, many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable, innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith not having received the things promised. Do you think Abram laid on his bed knowing he was going to die? Like when he was living his last moments knowing it's about over? Thinking about, why did I leave my land? Why did I? God, you promised this. Do you think he laid there and wondered those things? Maybe he did. But they died in faith, not having realized in a, in a tangible fleshly way the hope that was promised. Verse 13, read that again. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. There is hope there. I desire a better country that's a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Flip back over to Genesis chapter 22. More about Abram. He is now Abraham. Verse 1, chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the one of the mountains which I shall tell you. By the way, Abraham was, Abraham was 100 years old when his son was born. And around the time, just before, you can read 18, 19, 20, 21, talking about Abraham, of, of Genesis. He's talking about Abraham and, and his birth of his child. And he's wondering, is this ever going to happen? Am I ever going to have a child? Are you ever going to come through on your promise? Hey, yes, you're going to come through on your promise. I have a son who an heir can come from. This is what Abraham knows. And now God is telling him to take his son and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. And I think we can get, we can, and this, this passage is really familiar, and so we can, we can really mess up by listening to the familiarity of it and not connecting with what's actually going on. God says to Abraham, I promise you that I'm going to give you a son that's going to be great and is going to bless the nations. Because of your faith, I'm going to bless you through one of your heirs. And now God says to Abraham, go and kill him. 
We talk about the evil murder of children. God says to Abraham, go and kill your son and put him on an altar and burn him for my glory. That doesn't make any sense. So Abram, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac and he cut wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. He saw the place where he was going to murder his son. Verse 5, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you once again. And Abraham took the word for the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. Isaac is carrying the wood. Does that sound familiar? The sacrificial son has the wood on his back. Does that sound familiar? Verse 6. And Abraham took the the wood and the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son, and he took his hand, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And I'm sure with tears in his eyes, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar and laid the wood on the altar and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. God, please save me from this. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me just like God Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son there is a hope and an expectation from God that motivates us to action even when it doesn't make any sense Hebrews 11 back there again verses 17 and 18 by faith by trusting who God is and surrendering to who he is, that I believe your promises are true and I believe you are able and steadfast to come through on them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Every story whispers the name of Jesus. Every story directs our attention to this day, to Christmas that's coming, this hope, this expectation. Every story whispers that name. I have a video that I want you to see.
come come thou long expected Jesus all of the before Christ was born every child of God every person in the Hebrew nation was looking for this day that the promise that was made to Abraham would be fulfilled they were looking for this to to, to come come and, and they, they live their lives filled with expectation, filled with hope. And we're in a Christmas season where I wrestle with, with this thing, this, this idea of, of consumerism that's so rampant in our world and, and the whole Black Friday mess. And it just drives me crazy. And, and I'm, I'm raising three little kids and I'm wondering how do I, how do I communicate to them anti-consumerism? But, but how do I communicate to them this, this hope and expectation? There is a hope and an expectation that resides in a child that doesn't reside in you and I for what Christmas is coming. You know? They, they can't wait for this to come. And, and I wrestle with this. And, and my, I have this little figurine right here. It's silly, and you're going to chuckle at it. It's a little snowman, and it's got little blocks. So you can, like, this many days left till Christmas. And... It's not 50 days, it's 10 days till Christmas. Uh, but the thing is, is that Cooper wakes up. Cooper's like the, the first one every morning to wake up. And he, he runs out of his bed and he goes straight to this thing. And he changes it. Tomorrow morning, about 6.45, he'll run into the, next to the refrigerator on our counter and change this from 1.0 to 0.9. Because he's, he's so expectant of what's to come. And, and if the, the consumerism and the need to get gifts is, is so, I want to combat that, but I want to I protect and I want to cherish this, this thing that's inside of my kids to hope and to expect, to, to know for sure that a day is coming. This really cool day is coming. I want to read something for you. This is a... Uh, this is a great book, um, recommended for everybody. A bunch of little essays slash sermonettes by a bunch of wonderful people. This one is written by someone named Joni Erickson Tata. Um, she's a great uh, author, painter, uh, artist, talking about this longing, this expectation. She says it's a longing that believers across the century have had in their hearts God announced his intentions about the Messiah when he made a promise to Abraham. That's the one we read about, the first one we read about in Genesis. And what did Abraham do? Romans 4, 3 tells us that he believed God. That's all he needed to do. The rest was credited to him as righteousness. But I wonder how Abraham felt two weeks later or months later, or how did his children feel many years later? What about his descendants thousands of years later? How long did these people wait before they finally stopped believing? The fact is, many did stop believing. They had no faith. They didn't reckon that God was a promise keeper. As a result, they had no righteousness to their credit. But others continued to believe. They dreamed of the day. They hoped for the future. They put their confidence in the promises of God. These, no doubt, were the ones who recognized Christmas when it happened. These were the ones who knew Jesus. These were the ones 
who waited for the promise. On this side of eternity, Christmas is still a promise. Yes, the Savior has come, and with him peace on earth, but the story is not finished. Yes, there is peace in our hearts, but we long for peace in our world. Every Christmas is still a turning of the page until Jesus returns. Every December 25th marks another year that draws us to fulfillment of the ages. Draws us closer to home. When we realize that Jesus is the answer to our deepest longings, even Christmas longings, each Advent brings us closer to his glorious return to earth. When we see him as King of kings and Lord of lords, that will be Christmas indeed. So, hope in the Lord. Christmas is coming, and it's not coming on December the 25th. Our Christmas has Christmas carols, radio stations that are dedicated the whole month to playing Christmas songs. But one day, this is what we'll hear. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord God, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Our Christmas has cities with Christmas parades and city squares beautifully decorated. But one day, I saw the 12 gates that were 12 pearls. Each of the gates were made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Our Christmas has homes with Christmas lights and wreaths, simple lights and candles and windows. Every time I drive down my street, I, I think, man, that's, we, we got just simple little lights on our, our house. And, and I think, wow, that's really cool. And our, our, our world has, is filled with those. We, we center our lives around, let's go to Tillis Park and look at the lights. Let's go and, that, wow, that house is beautiful. That house is simple. That house has too much. I love the simple wreaths and the, and the, 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 the candles in the windows. One day, night will be no more. There will be no need of light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever. I pray that our, our definition of hope and where we seek our hope would be exploded by the events of Connecticut and by the events that we see in Scripture and that we would be like Abraham who in faith believed the promises of God even though when the day that he died he never realized those, those hopes. He never realized his faith. But he continued steadfast in it and it changed him in such a way that he acted, that he left his heaven, he left his, his family, he left the place where he, lo he loved, he left where he grew up, to go to a place where his enemies dwelled that God told them about. And he said, if you go, I promise I'll make you a nation. And he believed it so much that he was willing to execute his son. I think about what went through his mind in the, to, to murder those children. How could you do that? And then I think about Abraham, by faith, willing to execute his own son. 
And then I think about, by faith, God did execute His own Son. So that we might have hope that's not just a fleeting hope that can be taken from us. A holy God has transferred all of these events onto His Son, Jesus, so that we might live, so that we might have hope. And not just hope that on a, on a morning we're going to walk in open presence, and not just these expectations of things that are come, but a hope that we will join singing hallelujah for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. We will see these 12 gates and 12 pearls made of a single pearl and streets of gold and streets like transparent glass. And there will be no need for light because the Lord God himself is the light. Joni Erickson Tata concludes her essay with this. Heaven is about to happen. Heaven, that's the hope of Christmas. That's the hope of, of Jesus. That's the hope that is in our hearts. Not just that Jesus is coming, but one day he's coming back. And that day we will explode in worship. And no more will there be shooters. No more will there be adultery. No more will there be pain. Heaven is about to happen. This is hope. The celebration is about to burst on the scene. We stand at the tiptoe at the edge of eternity, ready to step into the new heaven and the new earth. I can't wait. I want to sing, Oh, come all ye faithful. As I gather with friends and family to worship the Lord in heaven. Christmas is an invitation to a celebration yet to happen. If you've got a Christmas longing, you're about to be satisfied. Just hold on and say with me, come Lord. Come Lord. Let's pray and worship our God. Lord, you are mighty and you are awesome. God, I pray that your message rings clear in our minds, Father. God, I'm an inadequate servant of yours, Father. But you have communicated your wonderful and beautiful truth to my heart. And I pray that it's communicated to us this morning, God. We look, we search, we seek for something to place our hope in. God, you have designed us to hope, Father. But there's sin and awfulness in this world and evil causes us to place our hope in things that can be taken from us. But you are a trustworthy Savior. You are steadfast in your love. God, destroy our weak and finite definitions of hope. Replace them with your eternal, secure hope. 
And Lord God, so long as you give us breath, so long as you choose to remain with your Son in heaven, until the day when you send him back, may we be changed by our hope and our expectation and our faith to go and do as you've told us to go and do. And we sit and we wait and we hope. May that hope be as nourishment to our souls. God, change us. Lord, I join with so many this week who've prayed. Come quickly. Come, Lord Jesus. Tired of standing on the edge of heaven, Father. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Guide us now as we enter a time to respond to your word as we sing and we worship you, Father. Give us a glimpse of worship in heaven. Guide us, lead us, protect us. Show us. In Christ's name.